The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus proposed another parable to the crowd, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. His slaves said to him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? He replied, No. If you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until harvest. Then at harvest time I will say to the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. He proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, and yet when fully grown, it is the largest of plants. It becomes a large bush, and the birds of the sky come and dwell in its branches. He spoke to them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. He spoke to them only in parables to fulfill what had been said through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what has lain hidden from the foundation of the world. Then, dismissing the crowds, he went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He said in reply, He who sows good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed, the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin and all evildoers. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The Gospel of the Lord. weekend we have more parables from the Lord on the kingdom of heaven. Last weekend we heard the beginning of the story, the beginning of that uh, this 13th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel. But the readings that we hear, the words that we hear from our Lord, these three parables, apply to the kingdom, which is of course the kingdom of God, the whole, the whole church, uh, but specifically in a very concrete way for us today, the Catholic faith. The recognition of, of the church on which we are founded in Christ. And so the Lord gives to us these three reflections to meditate on what exactly our church looks like and what exactly our church is. I would like to go and reflect in reverse order of what our Lord did on the mysteries of our church. The third 
the third uh, parable that our Lord gives is the story of how uh, the, the mixing of the yeast with the three loaves or the, the three measures of, of, uh, of wheat flour so that the whole loaf is changed, it's transformed, it's leavened. And it's a recognition that the church changes things, or at least we're supposed to. The church is supposed to be a transformative power in the world, to be able to, to, be able to lift everything up, even though only a small portion of it need be present, it has the power to change the whole of culture. Indeed, we see the church has changed culture. So much of what we presume are just normal things in the Western world are on account of the Catholic faith. Hospitals, universities, public schooling, all of these things are because of the faith that was spread in Christ. But the thing is that the church doesn't do these things in dramatic ways or with flashy things. Rather, most often the church works very quietly. We do things subtly. Not trumpeting you know, great horns, but laboring just as the Lord does. Reflecting on the ways in which things are built, whenever a, a person builds something, we usually make a good bit of noise. But when the Lord builds, it's quiet. A silence is known as the Lord constructs things in that sacred silence. Reflecting on this mystery, I was recalling a specific encounter that I had with a parishioner some years back at uh, my previous parish. It was after one of the big storms had come through and, and there was lots of flooding all over, the, all over our town. And of course, many people were dealing with, uh, with messed up homes and these kinds of things. And so one of the responses was, of course, as always happens, people go out and help. If your house is okay, you go help others. And so we looked around town and we saw lots of people helping others. And it was beautiful to see. It was interesting because some of the churches had, had their, their church shirts, so they said, you know, whatever, you know, whatever particular church it was, to be able to identify these are, our, these are people of our church. And so they continue to work. After this, though, a parishioner came to me and lit into me because the Catholic Church did nothing. And I said, Really? And they said, Father, they had such and such church out there, and they had such and such church out there, and we saw them, and we saw them, and we saw this one. I said, how did you know, how'd you know who it was? They were like, well, they had their shirts on. You could see what church they were from. And I said, okay, well, you were there, weren't you? Well, yeah. Well, who else from our church was there? And they started to name a whole list of people, and I said, our church was there. We just didn't have shirts on. <laughs> it was simple. It was, it was unattractive. And yet, it was work, just the same as anyone else. A beautiful way in which our word, our, our, our church, is a profound impact, but sometimes we don't recognize it. The church does nothing. When you do something, the church does something. And we work quietly and humbly, and what a gift. The second parable that our Lord gives is the parable of the mustard seed, of how he indicates that the smallest of seeds is planted in a field becomes a large bush. And going off that same analogy, we recognize that the seed is Christ himself. That he is the seed. And he comes and he offers his life and he dies. He allows himself to fall to the ground and die. And on account of that, he bears much fruit. And the body of Christ that begins with one individual, the body of Christ himself, 
becomes a mystical body of Christ, which encompasses well over a billion people spread all throughout the world in every nation. Indeed, a small seed has become quite an impressive tree. And the wonderful thing about that tree is it's a place where others can come to rest. How often we recognize that people have experienced the grace of Christ because the Catholic Church literally had its door open. And they were able to go inside and to sit and to pray and rest. We are to be a place of rest in our buildings, but even more so in our persons. Where people can come to us and they can rest with us. And they can find the peace that is ours because we have the peace of Christ. And we can lead them to that peace in Christ himself. And so indeed, the mustard seed has become a great tree. The first parable that our Lord mentions is the one that often gives us a bit of trouble on a whole variety of levels. And it's the weeds and the wheat. The Lord Jesus explains this to his disciples that he goes and in the, in the field, the world, also the, the kingdom of God, uh, all around us, there's good and there's evil, period. And this is a great stumbling block for many. Oftentimes it's been said that we desire a church that is perfect. I don't go to church. Hypocrites go to church. Well, as the saying goes, yes, our church is full of hypocrites. And there's always room for one more. And it's a simple reality that every one of us is sinners. That's why we're here, is it not? I come to Mass, not just because I'm the priest, but because I need Christ. I have to be immersed in the Word. I have to have the Eucharist. I have to have the grace of the sacraments. Because without them, I am useless. But with them, I can become an instrument of Christ. And it's the same as all of us. We're not here because we're perfect. We're here because we're imperfect and we need Christ to perfect us. But that's a struggle of some. Because in the midst of our desire for perfection, we are still imperfect. There are still things that I do that upset people. There are things that you do that upset people. And on account of that, they use that as a reason not to come into the church. A great stumbling block. We see it also in the way that that there are members of the church who have caused great scandal to lead people away from the body of Christ. We don't need to look very far to see the priest scandals that have happened, uh, that have come to light in the past 20 years. Certainly there are no shortage of other scandals that happen regularly here, there, and everywhere throughout the world of some, uh, some priest or bishop or archbishop or cardinal who has gotten himself in a little hot water because... He's a sinner, and we're surprised by it. Shouldn't they be perfect? Shouldn't the church be perfect? And the answer is no. It would be easy for us to go and to look out, to look out into the the field of our church and to go, this one's a weed, toss it aside. This one is wheat, this one can stay. How easy it would be if everyone that came to church was a good person, and everyone who didn't come to church was clearly not. It would be easy. But Christ shows us otherwise. He says that there are many in the church who are great wheat, who are very, very fruitful. But there are some in the church who are weeds, who are evil, 
It's a recognition of it. The Lord Jesus doesn't try to explain it away and say, no, 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 the, no, the, 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 you know, the, they're really good, it's okay. No, he said, reality is reality. That the church has good and bad, and we're right alongside each other. But the simple fact is, the Lord never gives up hope on us. And that's what our first reading reminds us today from wisdom. Is that the Lord gives to us a hope for repentance from our sins. And so why not pluck up the weeds while we see them early? Because we may be mistaken. They may prove themselves to be wheat. So this gospel, this particular passage from our Lord, he encourages us not to fall into presumption. To presume upon something. It's a great sin against the Lord. Presumption. Oftentimes we presume forgiveness of our sins. Ah, I'll just get a confession for it anyway. How often has it been said? I know I shouldn't do this. Bah, we'll go to confession. Presumption. We presume upon the mercy of God. But we not just presume upon the mercy of God. We presume upon the salvation of one another. And even sometimes ourselves. And this is where the Lord very clearly reminds us. We need not. We cannot. The day of judgment will come. There will come a day when the angels come to harvest us, to pick us up, to cut up our roots from this world, and to draw us to a new life. And there there will be a judgment. We will stand before God, and he will prove us, weeds or wheat. The weeds gathered into the barn, eternal life. The weeds, the ones who are wicked that sin, that lead others into sin without repentance, will be gathered up and tossed into the fire. A sobering reminder. And yet the Lord bids us not to presume now what is reserved for later. Three ways that we can presume upon things. The first way we can presume is that sometimes we can presume that I myself am the weed. There are people who experience the faith as merely a place of condemnation. Who look upon themselves and they say, clearly I'm not worth anything. Just a sinner. They get rolled down on themselves. They think their, their sins of their past or maybe even of their present are so great that the Lord certainly couldn't love them as much as the priest says he does. And they make sure in their own mind that they don't produce fruit because they want to prove themselves right, that they are in fact weeds. And we don't allow the mercy of God to come in. We presume that we're a lost cause. And on that account, why try? Why go to church? Why go to confession? It's useless anyhow. We'll just go about my life and to do what I do. And we'll simply be as it is. In that place, the Lord reminds us that we are never lost. That if we are willing to come back, he will have mercy. It doesn't mean we get, become perfect, but it means we can join on the path of perfection with the rest. And so, not to presume upon ourselves as weeds who are useless and have no hope for the future, because one day the Lord may prove us quite wrong. We can look at the lives of so many of the saints of the church and prove that it is exactly that that happens. The thing is that those who are the greatest sinners in the life of the church often make themselves, by the grace of God, the greatest of saints. 
And it's a simple reality of whatever you do boldly will happen. I've heard it said before, if you sin, sin boldly. Go all in. Don't just dabble in a little bit. Dive in deep. Because if you dabble in it just a little bit, then whenever you have an experience of Christ and you, become, and you, and you come to the faith, you'll dabble a little bit in the faith. But if you dive deeply into sin, you will come to realize quite quickly, if you have your eyes open and your ears to hear, that this is not at all what it seems. And you will turn in the same boldness with which you sinned, you will turn to virtue and to Christ. And you will become incredibly virtuous. Yesterday was the feast of St. Mary Magdalene, of whom she was the host of seven devils, had given her life over completely to sin. And she was caught in the act of adultery and brought before the entire town, ready to be stoned. And in that moment, she experienced Christ. She experienced the mercy of God and was converted. And she became the apostle to the apostles, the one who brought the good news, the first one to bring the good news of the resurrection. She brought it to the disciples. Conversion, it happens. Sin boldly. Live boldly as a saint. And so we need not fear, we need not have doubts, even with other people. And this is the second presumption. Sometimes we can look at someone else and see, oh, maybe it's not I whom the weed, it's them. (laughs) They're clearly one of the lost ones. They're one of those poor sheep that just keep wandering off because they can't follow the good shepherd. They're one of those who doesn't produce anything, who doesn't do anything. They've given their life over to sin, to filth, to whatever. I don't really need to invite them to church because they probably don't want to come anyway. I don't need to invite them to this side of the other thing because, you know, really they're, they're not good enough for that. We may not say it. Sometimes we say it with our face, with the looks we see. Whenever we see somebody in church that we feel like shouldn't be there. One of the weeds showed up today, huh? Good for them. Soaking up the nutrition from the rest of us, right? It happens. And yet the Lord also comes to us and he says, not so fast. Not so fast. One of the things that's interesting is you go back in the reflection from the early church fathers, particularly in this area, and there was, a, there was one particular weed that manifested itself and it looked exactly like the wheat in its early stage. And one of the things was, that said is that if you go out and you presume that it's a weed and you pluck it up, you may find, in fact, that you have just killed some wheat that would have been good and fruitful. And sometimes we can do that to someone else. We presume... That they're a lost weed. And how quickly we can decide to pluck them up and cast them out. To presume judgment upon that they are lost. When in fact it was the Lord who would have said, be patient. Let them grow alongside the rest and they will prove themselves to be wheat. And so the Lord bids us to be patient with others. No matter who it is that comes into, into our church, into our faith, into our experience of our Lord. The simple fact is the Lord bids us. Do not judge. Be patient. And continue to pray for conversions of hearts in all of us. And this brings us to the last piece. The third presumption that we can sometimes have in the life of the church is that we ourselves are the wheat. The chosen ones. Ah, isn't it nice to be such the good crowd? To be the productive ones. And all the rest of those weeds out there, they just... They're just taking up the soil and just taking up space. And if it wasn't for all them, we would be much better. We'd have much better leaves, probably be more fruitful because they're not in our way. 
And it's a recognition that sometimes we presume that we are all the best, when in fact, it can easily be shown that we are weeds. And this is where the Lord especially cautions us as the members of the church who frequently come to the church. There's an attitude in our world today that says, implicitly or explicitly, when we die, we go to heaven. Period. To which the Lord responds, foolishness. When we die, we are judged. If we are judged worthy, if we have repented from our sin, we can have heaven. But if we claim our sin and we do not repent from our sin, we've claimed it as our own. We have chosen to become the weeds that burn in the fire. It's our own choosing. And this is the important piece, is to recognize that all of us are in need of repentance. That is not that, again, that we have all the things right and that everything is good for us, so we need not worry. We just need to come and check off our Sunday Mass box and our to-do list for the week. Because if we don't recognize our sins, we will not recognize our need to repent of them. And if we don't recognize our need to repent from them, we won't. And we will live in our sin. And we will die in our sin. And our sin will claim us for itself. And so we need not presume also even that we are the chosen ones, but always to ask the Lord to convert hearts, starting with mine. To convert hearts, starting with mine, Lord. And this is what the Lord calls us all to. To recognize that the repentance from sin is not something even for a small number. It's for every single one of us. It's not for just the bad, the really bad ones or the kind of bad ones. Sin affects every single one of us. And on account of that reality, every single one of us must repent of it and to be patient with ourselves and with others as the Lord is patient with us and continues to let us grow alongside each other, good, bad, and all, to let us be proved on the last day. And so let us pray to the Lord today. Let's pray that if we are indeed seeming to be weeds, that the Lord might convert us to become, by a miracle of his grace, wheat. And if indeed we are wheat, may the Lord continue to increase his grace within us that we might be incredibly fruitful. That the Lord, one day, whenever the angels come to us, he might look upon our soul and smile and rejoice for the gift of the fruit that he is able to gather into his barn.